Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I have an epic interview for you today. I've invited my beautiful friend, Tina Tower, to come and join us on the podcast to talk all about building your empire. Tina has helped hundreds of people package their expertise into an online course and launch it to the world. Through her program, Her Empire Builder, she's on a mission to help 100 women build a million dollar business by 2025. Tina is the author of two books, One Life, How to Have the Life of Your Dreams and Million Dollar Micro Business. Tina has won some cool awards like Telstra National Young Businesswoman of the Year and Australian Business Champion and has been featured on the Today Show, Financial Review, Sky Business and as a businesswoman to watch by the Huffington Post. Today, our conversation dives into scaling your online course, the biggest mistakes people make when launching their online course, what makes someone succeed in the online space, and where to start when creating your first product. She loves to talk about balancing, loving what you do and taking breaks, taking care of yourself and making a business that aligns with your life. We talk all about people pleasing and not burning out, prioritizing what to say yes and no to, and getting comfortable with talking about money and success. So make sure that you listen to the whole episode to have the opportunity to win a copy of Tina's book, million dollar micro business. So check out the link in the show notes and let's get on with the episode. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners, where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Wow, I'm super excited to have this special guest on the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Tina. Thank you. So excited to be here with you. Actually, I've wanted to do this for a long time since I met you and I was like, <laughs> am I coming on your podcast soon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, same. Honestly, like since I met you too, I was like, she's going to be on my podcast. I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you meet people and you're like, you're going to be my friend. Hi, friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when you can have connections like that. So good. Ah, oh, I just love this. So I'm super excited to dive into today's topic. We're going to be talking all about creating a micro business that's a million dollar micro business, but also talk a little bit about business and life and the journey of all of that all together. Because with anything that we put all of our energy and effort into and we strive towards all of the fears and doubts and, you know, all those things come our way. So before we dive in, Tina, can you share with us a little bit of your background? Like, I'd love for you to just give us a bit of a snapshot of why you do what you do and where it all started. Yeah, so I have been in business for a long time. Um, I'm 37 now and I started when I was 20, my first business. So 17 years, um, which just makes me feel old <laughs> now. Um, but it has been a ride. It has been, you know, I can't think of a better way to spend a life. Um, I've had so many amazing journeys through it all and met the most incredible people and travels. And I just, I love the game of business. And I've had a lot of different ones. I started, uh, my first business was a tutoring center, primary tutoring center and educational toy store. And I always, I've always been very, very ambitious, like very driven, very ambitious since I was very young. And so I always wanted to go bigger 
that's been the, the really, how big can I go? What can I do? How can I like see what's possible? And so I grew that. I did everything quite early. I got married when I was 21. I had my first baby when I was 24 and realized that the, the educational toy store was a seven day a week thing that I didn't know what systems were yet. And so I couldn't run it anymore. So we closed that. And then I went into licensing and I licensed the curriculum that I created did that for a couple of years, then switched into franchising and built to 35 locations around Australia and sold that company in 2016. So I was 33 uh, when I sold the business and then looked at retiring or what to do next. And I had no idea, like my whole identity was that business. And so I was so lost when we sold. Um, and then, you know, did the whole, I was going to say Erin Brockovich, but no different movie, but her Eat, Pray, Love thing. And we sold everything that we owned and went around the world for a year, which, you know, in pandemic times, I'm so grateful for that we got to travel and we went to 28 countries. And that is when I like tripped and fell into the world of online business. So it was never my plan to create online courses, but I didn't know what my next business was going to be, what I was going to do when I grew up, anything like that. So I thought I'll just, I had a lot of people asking to coach them because I'd built and sold a business. Um, and so I was doing like coaching online while we traveled. And then I was doing some group calls and I was like, oh, well, this is good because I'm like repeating the same thing over and over again. So we'll get everybody together to do that. And then I thought, well, let's all just do one course. And so I did the course and did like my first like launch kind of thing, as good as your first kind of launch can be when you don't know what you're doing. And I did that and in the week made $11,000. And I know that is not a big amount, but when I did, I was like, get out of town. Like this is in a service-based business, you like you work for $11,000. Like every minute is exchanged for that dollar. That to me, I was like, what? And then you sell it and then they just log into the course. Like, I don't, what is this world? How do I know? And I'd always kind of read different things about it like I know James Wedmore was on my radar at that time and Amy Porterfield and and a part of me would see their stories and be like bullshit like that's not possible and then I was like hang on a minute I think they still are under something here and then I just I I love the experiment of business like I never really you know, people are very absolute in will I succeed will I fail like it just I like the experiment of it um and I know this answer is going on really long <laughs> but I got I got hooked on it and was like I wonder how big how fast we can go here and what this is actually capable of and that is how I started in online courses <laughs> um I was just saying that you know I think people can get so caught up on being so serious about business thinking about that they can make the wrong decision and honestly like if you focus on that with that headspace of like, well, what if I just see if this works? Like there's so much possibility out there when you have that headspace rather yeah. than, oh, I've got to stick to this one thing or if it doesn't work, then I'm a failure. Like that's the best part about business. I agree. Like it's so it's so fun to be able to trial and error and play around with things and yeah. it work just so good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think like that comes with, um, it comes with practice too. Like I think at the beginning, you know, it is it is a real fear of failure. But once you do it enough times and you know 
you're going to be okay. Like something that, that can seem like such a big deal at the time. You're like, how am I ever going to recover from this? And then like a few months later, it's like, what, what happened? Oh yeah, I did that. And you just, you start to develop more of a, this isn't going to matter later. Yeah. And I think like, because you've obviously had the experience of running businesses before, did it feel like this was less of a risk? Yeah. Yeah. Less people yeah, for sure. Worry about hiring. Like it was just like, I'm just going to give you Yeah. We had massive risk in franchising. Like franchising is one of the most risky businesses to run. It is, I always said like, I think I could do any business after franchising because it's hard. And I'm like, if you can push shit uphill in franchise business, anything else seems like a piece of cake. And, you know, when you've got bricks and mortar businesses as well, you've got leases, you've got team, you've got a lot of responsibility on your shoulder. Whereas an online business you can turn that tap on and off with a lot less ramifications to that. Totally. What would you say your favourite part about your business now, the way that you run it now? What's your favourite part? I think that ability. Um, I mean, you know, like I don't, I'm not sure when this episode is coming out, but I've just gone through a massive thing with my family. My, my son um, was playing in the backyard as a lot of teenage boys do experimenting with aerosol cans and matches and the can exploded and he ended up in hospital with 22% burns to his body. Um, and so that was like the worst week of my life. He's still, you know, a couple of months of recovery, but it was really, you know, it was, it was that moment of going, I didn't have to worry about my business. Like there was not, there was multiple times in the hospital where I was going, how did I run my last, because I ran my last business for 13 years. So a while. And if I even was sick for a couple of days, like it had consequences, big consequences. And there was a lot to catch up on and a lot of things to do. Whereas, you know, there's always things in our online business we can do to grow. And I do work quite a bit. I'm not one of these people that are like, I just work 10 hours a week. Um, like I love, I love, I have a lot of friends that do that and love that, but I do a lot of extra things in business development and growth. But what I actually have to do is very little. And so I love our ability that we can go into a different season and a different quarter or a different year and, and have times where we're like, you know what? I really want to push this. I want to see how far we can go. Like, let's go for it. We can get all excited and go. And then there's other times that we can go, you know what, let's consolidate. Let's get the systems there. Let's just focus on our current clients and get some better results. And, and then there's other times that you're going to, you know, kill a product and change different ones. And it's so movable and living and breathing. And it's not like, you know, in a traditional business, you're like, here's your three-year plan, here's your five-year plan. And, and that shit takes a while to move when you make those decisions. Whereas in an online business, like we could have a totally different business next week if we decided to, like you throw it out, you can do something, like you can move fast. Absolutely. And I love that. I love that as well. And I actually think that's the reason why I got into business because I was in corporate and used to hate that constant, like, yes, you couldn't make any changes quickly. No. Like, <laughs> no. like years to make a change. And I'd be like, but you could just do this one thing and it would change everything for us. And they'd be like, oh, you got to have 50,000 meetings first. Right? Oh, so annoying. So annoying. I, I kind of want to explore something with you. So I've heard you speak the other day. Um, I was listening to another podcast that you were on and you were talking about how you love the four hour work week with by Tim Ferriss, one of my fave books yeah. as well. But then you were like, I also love what I do and can spend hours and hours and hours on end doing the stuff, right? Like I'm exactly the same. Like I freaking love that book, 
but I love work. So how do you balance that? Yeah. How do you go about your hours, like in regards to making sure that you're obviously got time for family and time for other things than work, but then yeah, like how does that work for you? Yeah, there's very little in life that I enjoy more than working. Like that is like when they say, you know, like happiness comes with a cross section of <laughs> like my husband always says, so my husband was a stay-at-home dad for seven years and now he works for the business. Um, but he loves to surf and he surfs every day. And he always like says to other people when they're like, you know, you're so lucky. And, and he goes, I'm just really lucky that I get paid for the thing that I love to do. And that is that is so true because I mean, there's some things I know a lot of people say outsource, delegate, do all of that sort of stuff. And I am so happy when I'm playing on Kajabi and Canva and creating stuff and making resources and checklists and systems for our clients and all of those different things. Oh, oh my God, a Kajabi pipeline. Oh, like it just makes me happy. I sit back, I have a wine or a gin and I'm like, did you see what I just made? That thing's freaking beautiful. Um, and so I actually have to be disciplined to step away from the computer, um, which I'm really glad I've got kids for. Because <laughs> I think if I was a single woman, I would literally eat, sleep, work, repeat. Like there's just, I just don't think I would do anything else. Um, I have two dogs. I have a garden. So we grow a lot of our own food that we, that we eat. Um, so that takes up a lot of my time now. And I did that purposefully to get me away from the desk because the thing that I struggle the most with in life is the health aspect. Um, you know, a lot of people say they've got to have discipline to work. That part, I love it. It comes naturally to me, which I'm very lucky with, but I do have to make myself move my body and like sometimes I will actually resent having to go to the bathroom because I'm like I'm in the middle of this and it's amazing like it's just I know I can see your face you relate <laughs> oh my God, I thought that was just me <laughs> like... no, no I just but you know what I think that it's pretty obvious as well. I think that's what makes us so good at what we do is that we love our work. Um, but I do consciously make a purposeful effort to try and be more balanced in life. And I meditate and I stretch and I do yoga and I do that because now, you know, like I'm only 37, which is not very old in the scheme of things, but I'll really notice like in the last couple of years, if I do like a 10 hour work day at my desk, like my back feels it, my shoulders feel it, my neck feels it, that I have to move. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have to incorporate reminders in that because there's just nothing more I'd rather do. Yeah. It's so funny, isn't it? Like I literally had an astrology reading the other day and she was like talking about next year's forecast about how things are going to escalate. And she was like, the, your biggest downfall will be your health. So make sure because you need your energy, make yeah. sure you're taking care of yourself because you seem to work a lot. Yeah. <laughs> me and I, but I've seen I could and this is what you just said was the that's the perfect point is I love it but not what I have learned in the last year is not not all time is created equal so I can create you know our resources and work on on our technical side and that's fine in terms of depletion like I can do that all day but delivering like running masterclasses doing podcasts doing coaching sessions I noticed that like my energy is not what it was when I started business at 20 and so for me I've had to really figure out how do I like what are my limits and where do I have to start saying no so that I can make sure that the quality of my work is good and that my 
like people are, are literally paying us for our ideas and our problem solving capability that if we actually work ourselves too much to depletion we lose that like quick thinking ability and so that's been a big thing for me lately I've dropped like a lot of my private coaching has, has tightened a lot I'm not taking at one stage I had like 20 20 something private coaching clients which is just too much energy to hold and then it's not fair to them and yeah so I've had to really experiment with like how much can I do and still get the best out of my own performance and my own energy and where does that balance have to be and so now I have a Peloton bike and I literally ride that in order to give myself energy to do more coaching and yeah whereas in my 20s like you can just work all day exactly but I'm the same like I feel like that exercise in the middle of the day or that late afternoon will then get you through and that's when then my ideas kick in and then I can work on my business in different aspects like it's so interesting like I actually to when I was doing like values work on my business a few years ago and I recognized that my health was my downfall I actually had to do values work to connect the impact that health has on the business in order to actually want to do it (laughs) yeah yeah and I pay a lot more attention now to my body so like on days that I'm feeling like all fired up, ready to go. I would just unapologetically just work all day. But if it, if there's days where I'm feeling a little bit tired, I will just I will just leave. Like I won't I won't work. I'm like you know what I'm feeling a little bit tired now. I won't push it anymore. So I just go play with the kids, play with the dogs, do whatever I want to do, and then come back the next day all re- ready to go. So I'd love to know because I know you've spoken before about struggling with like people pleasing in the past. How do you yes. doing that with managing people pleasing tendencies? Yeah, now I've like swung so far in the opposite direction. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because I found it really hard to have a middle ground. So I was either like yes to everything or no to everything I find it really hard to go well I'll say yes to this but I'll say no to this and I'll say yes so like we've got a blanket like no more private coaching clients until February next year now instead of doing ongoing ones I'm doing 12 week blocks you can have 12 weeks total sprint get massive results and then done so that I can then have a month off and have that break so we've got like more systems in place to allow that and same with podcasts like getting interviewed for podcasts people coming on our podcast being in other people's business programs like you get asked to do so many things and I want to say yes like parts of me want to say yes but then I end up being so tired for my paying clients and so yeah we're like a blanket no like there's there's, there's nothing like I'm saying no to everything for the rest of the year <laughs> it's, it's a new thing for me but it's actually beautiful like I had um my book came out in July and because I said yes to everything I like totally hammered myself and and I was spending on average 30 hours a week on zoom like in the face-to-face stuff which you know doesn't sound that hard but man is it tiring like it's yeah and I kept getting going like it's not like it's hard I'm just having conversations with people why am I so tired all the time but it is it takes it out of you like there's an element of like you have to be on and your brain has to be presently there it's high energy high energy exactly yeah yeah so how do you prioritize that right like because I think there's something there where 
people will go like, I get that you could say yes and no to it, but how do you know? Like, where's the priority list? Like, are you working towards something in particular for the future? And then that's how you determine what's it's going to cost me. Like, how do you work that out? What's, how do you prioritize? Yeah. So I think you flip halfway through. So I do think that, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about boundaries and having boundaries and how important they are, which they are. But at the beginning, you got to say yes to everything. I agree. Like there's just part of you. And I just think that you know, too often it's talked about having boundaries and then people think, oh my gosh, but how am I going to get ahead? And oh, should I only be working the four hour work week and feeling like they're doing something wrong if they have to work? But I don't know anybody who has become successful and not worked their tushy off for it in the beginning. But the hard part is knowing when to flick that switch so that you don't burn out and then go, you know what? fuck it all and walk away and burn it down um and I think a lot of people get to that stage and then find it too hard to flick that switch because you've got to say yes to everything and then you've got to be more discerning so we actually have like a set of rules these are the things we'll say yes to people that I have personal relationships with I say yes to people that I don't know we say no to um and we've got like a whole set of criteria like how many like the community people have, whether it will lead to business, like all different things that I was, I used to be like, you know, that person's going to think I'm an asshole if I make them feel like, you know what, they're not important enough for me to speak for them. But I'm also like, no, oh, I only have so many hours in a day and I'm running a business. And so if it's not going to be beneficial to my business, then I can't put the time into it. And I used to feel really bad about that. Mm. And now I don't. Yeah. That's so good. And I think that that's an element of like, obviously building your self-worth and recognizing that sometimes like saying no is actually much more loving than saying yes to it. Right. Like saying, saying yes and then not being your all and not being able to give your all yeah. like, is even worse, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely that way. Like it's definitely that way in coaching mm. and, and that's hard. It's hard too, because you're saying no to money when when it's your business and you are the business, which I know a lot of your listeners are, you know, their personal brand is their business, that there's only so much you can do. And when you first start getting, you know, all your dreams come true and you're in massive demand and people are like, I want you, I want you. And then you got to start saying no. I mean, my my 12 weeks of coaching is $12,000. So it's a, it's a decent amount of money. And you know, we've, we say no to a couple of people every week and every time it hurts my heart and I go, you know, we lived for three years on $200 a week. We were like so broke. And I'm like, what is this that I have to say no to that? But I know that if I say yes, the people that are paying me that top dollar don't get the best of me and that's what they're paying for. And so you, you've really got to pay attention to your own abilities and that it's a changing season too. Like it's, there's different times where I'll really get my hustle on and work in those seasons. And there's different times where I go, I've got to recover from that. Like one of the reasons that we're in the quarter now, the back end of the quarter of the year, that I'm like, it's okay if we don't like kick revenue goals and break records right now, because, you know, in July, we did one 24 hour period that was bigger than our biggest ever month. And it was off the hook and the book came out and we did everything. And I got to recover from that. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So how did you celebrate that? <laughs> Do you know the funny, the funny thing was there was so much going on that we didn't even get a moment <laughs> to oh, celebrate it. Oh, man. 
Um, but now it was only like the day before my son's accident that I took my older son into the city and we had a fancy lunch and I always wanted to. So my name's Tina Tower and Tiffany's has a TT range um, for the Tiffany tea collection. And so I got um, this, this ring that's half turquoise, which is my brand color and half diamonds and it's a TT. And I'm like, that was very nice of Tiffany's to make me my own ring. Um, and that's been on my vision board for years. And so I said, if the book hit the bestseller list that I would get that, but in terms of revenue goal, we don't really, I set a lot of milestones, but they're not, I tie them to like customer numbers, customer achievement. That's like, I don't, um, I don't so much have the revenue goals as weird as that sounds. Yeah. What drove that decision? How, how did that come about? Um, how did that, I don't know. I, I think I'm more, um, I get excited about other people's revenue, like a client this morning that was, um, so her goal was she's in her first year of online courses and her goal was to, to make more than 50,000. And last quarter she hit a hundred thousand. And then she's just doing her third launch now and just hit 46,000 for the launch week. And that's very exciting to me. Like that is very exciting. And she's like, Oh my God, this is so, and that's so exciting. But I think, um, I don't know, like there's a certain, there's a certain point that like money is a very, very big means to doing a lot of things that we want to be able to do. But I, and as wanky as I know it can sound, I'm more tied to the impact than the dollar amount. It's not wanky. I don't think it's wanky at all. Because I think there's, there comes a point where you're like, you have more than your means and you kind of like. Yeah. I would have heard someone say that a few years ago and done a little bit of vomitive yeah, about. <laughs> So how do you feel, like obviously your book, right, being a million-dollar micro-business, how do you, have you had to work to get to the point where you feel comfortable talking about money or does that still feel uncomfortable? Like, Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, um, I actually, this is a conversation I was having with a girlfriend yesterday because she puts out a newsletter every month with her month in review and actually screenshots her Kajabi dashboard, how much money she earned from what programs, that sort of thing, whereas... I kind of felt like, I felt like to make a million dollars in a year was a milestone point that gave me enough credibility that then like I've done that, I've shown that now I don't have to talk about money anymore. I've kind of proven that and now I can move on and not talk about it anymore Um, because like part of me always has the fear of people some people will hate you for your success as well. Um, and there's a whole lot of other things that come about. But I also think from a logical point of view, like there's, I'm worried about security and someone robbing me and like all, the, all the different things that come with that. Um, so yeah, I don't, um, like when we did that day, that was that massive, like I didn't share it anywhere and, and do anything about that because there was, well, one, it wasn't about that, but also I'm always conscious of, you know, we're in Australia and the tall poppies and the big noting and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I am not entirely comfortable talking about money, even though, you know, we talk about it, but it's not, I mean, it's different to everyone with top line, bottom line too. Like we said this with, you know, before we hit record too, like there's, for some people, their perfect business is going to be a hundred thousand dollar a year business. And if they've got that balance and that life that they're enjoying working, that's going to be perfect. For me, a couple of months ago, I did this 12 month, 12 week stint with a business coach that I'd want to work with for ages. And one of the first questions she asked me was, do you feel successful? And I was coming off like a really busy period and I was so exhausted. And I said, no. And then I was really sad that 
I said no. And I was like, God, what am I working for then? And that was the big thing to me in going like bigger isn't always better. And until that point, we'd aspired for next year to have a $5 million year in the business. And after working with that coach, I reassessed it to $3 million. And part of her was like, yeah, great. Okay. I'd like, I cut your revenue goal in half. <laughs> I'm like, actually that, that is a much more successful life because with my last business, I had a big team. I had all the pressure and responsibility and it's not what I want or need in my life. I want to spend more time with my sons and, you know, enjoying the life that I've worked so bloody hard for. Um, so it's not all about the money, but I can only say that it's not about the money because we have enough money. And it used to really piss me off when people <laughs> used to say, it's not about the money. And it's like, tell me that while I can't eat mince. <laughs> So true though that I think that sometimes you have to get past the whole concept of if it's just about the money because then I don't really believe that you're really truly in it for the right reasons because no. I don't believe it's what yeah. it's what money represents yes like I think it's what money can give you but if that's all you're in it for then um you can feel that inauthenticity like you can feel it's just something not right there yeah and the cruel part about business is when you need the money it's really hard to come by and then when you get to that tipping point and you don't need it anymore, it flows like a river, like it just, and always like all of the people that I talk to on the other side are always like, God, where was that when I needed it? You know, like you can turn the tap on and off that, you know, the levers to pull and it all makes so much sense. Um, but it's also the desperation. Like I had to try so hard in the beginning, like, to lose that air of desperation because when you're desperate and you're really trying to sell someone into your program or do something like that like it's really hard to get across whereas when you're like you know what here's my offer take it or leave it if it's right for you go for it if not like happy days people are like oh well this looks good <laughs> right it's a whole other energy and I think that there's yeah. that level of trust with money when you get to that stage right where there's a, that level of trust yeah. that you just know money is is there like so you do it for other reasons and people yeah. totally feel that. I totally get that. People feel that desperation level and run the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I still have the fear that it's all going to disappear. Like that still hasn't gone away. Wow. And how do you yeah. manage that? How do you, do you work on it? Have you? Yeah. 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 I work. I do a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> Love it. I have done a lot of, um, a lot of personal development, a lot of self-help books, a lot of psychology visits, a lot of kinesiology, a lot of Reiki, a lot of all the things to try and get the best out of myself and understand myself. But, you know, everyone's human. And for me, you know, I was raised with the, like, hard work is what gets you there and you stop working and it will all stop. And so, yeah, there's a part of me that, um, yeah, like I was talking to my accountant the other day and going, like, should we buy another investment property or should we pay the house off and, and different things? He's like, why would you even pay your house off at 37? I'm like, well, because I want no debt. Like the, the feeling of safety and security to me with that is so strong that I would rather do that than build more wealth. And he's like, that is the worst financial decision. But he also acknowledges good heart maths. So we can do some of that, but it's, it's interesting to pay attention to like what makes us feel secure and comfortable and, and what is our level of risk and what are we going for? And, and that's always changing as well. Like I notice it changes with the different ages of the kids too. 
Oh, wow. That's really interesting that it changes with the, yeah, like, because all new seasons, right? Like brings about all of these different things. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would love to talk more about her empire builder. So I love that you are really out there with the way of like, we're here to build an empire. Like, let's do this. Right. And I think that there's a level of confidence that comes with that and a level of success talk that comes with that. I would love to hear from you about your experience with the types of clients that you work with, the people that come into the, her empire builder and what are some of the challenges that they see? Because there's so many things that come into building your empire, but also building online courses when it comes to imposter yeah. syndrome, dealing with like, is it okay for me to share my expertise and mm-hmm. people going to pay me for it? Like there's so many different doubts and fears that come about. Yeah. What's one of the biggest things that you see that's, that you see with your people that stops them from turning their business into a massive success? Yeah, I think as um, contradictory as it sounds, a lot of people are very scared of success and what that means for them. Like as humans, we're very comfortable in our familiar. Um, And I know for me, it was the biggest thing for me to get over also is I'm familiar with the struggle, with the fight. Like I'm a fighter who I can get in, I can grit, like I can, I'm good with the problem solving. And when you're backed against the wall, I can do my best work, like all of that sort of stuff. That for me to actually go, well, we can relax into this and we can flow and it can be easy. And we can actually, like that felt so misaligned from the messages that I had previously experienced in my life. And so I think for a lot of people that come into Empire Builders, like Empire Builders is, you know, people say they find their life's work is I think everything that I've done in my life has led me to this, to this thing Um, because it's niche and it's small. I mean, we only have a hundred members in it um, and it's for women using Kajabi, building business through personal brand, sharing our expertise with the world that want to go big. Um, so it's, it's, it's a pretty niche sort of thing, but I find most of the women that come in, they still have, they have the desire and they know they're capable of something more and they know that they want something more but scared shitless <laughs> like everyone's scared shitless like it really is going even when you get that dream and you know you you get that six-figure launch it's then going oh shit can I live up to this like am I actually good enough to deliver on this like the amount of mind gains that happen in business is so incredibly interesting like so incredibly interesting and you have to do so much work on yourself like I think once once you've got the technicalities of business a lot of it is you know battling your own mind and figuring all of that out um and so that's a lot of our a lot of our women coming with that but I just love the like I love that we have so like last week we're having conversations and going at our retreat this year we have an in-person retreat every year and, and we were talking about wealth and and using business as a vehicle to build wealth and then funneling it into investments like property and shares and and how to do that and traditionally women don't have those open conversations and talk about well, what's your structure are you in a trust are you in a company are you taking dividends or director's drawings or are you paying yourself salary and are you topping up your super and all of these different things that they're all sharing so openly to help each other build their own wealth and you know this year has been so good for anyone with investments with property or shares and just seeing all their conversations and going I invested in this and it's gone to this like it's not just about the courses but like that rising tide of everyone together and and everyone it's like I have other people say to me when different things are happening they're like Tina you live in such a bubble like you exist in this little bubble I'm like it's freaking nice in my bubble (laughs) I'm fine to stay in my bubble keep me away from the rest of the world like it's people that are just 
supporting each other and knowing that the world is big enough for everyone to be successful and want to do good in the world. Yeah, I love it. That I think that's why I feel so drawn to you because I feel like the, that exact same thing. Like it's more about that collaboration, that support, that cheerleading yeah. that goes on that when we are really honestly in our own self-worth and self-trust and self-belief, we can see another woman's success and celebrate the hell out of it instead of tearing her down. Yeah. And it didn't used to, I mean, when I started in business, it was very much like you met someone else in your industry and it was like, oh, like, don't talk to that person, like over the other side of the room. Like it was very much, you don't talk to competitors. And then I think I got, because I was very, um, unintimidating because I was like this this young bright sparkly girl a lot of people gave like took me under their wing and gave me a lot of advice and support that they wouldn't otherwise get but what I found especially with the online world is it is so collaborative I mean there are a couple of assholes that still you know are like like 10 feet away but most people are like you let's work together like we can totally because everyone's complimentary and you'll have this person for this and this person for this. And, and this is what I've seen is everyone kind of does business together as well. And then everyone just does really well. There's 7 billion people on the planet. Like we really only need a few hundred or a few thousand to be wildly wealthy and have a super successful business and a great impact in the world. There's enough. (laughs) Absolutely. Amen to that. (laughs) So I would love to know what would you like to see different in the online business space? What's something that you don't like to change? I don't think it will. Um, The thing that bothers me the most about the online space is those who market well win. That is um, the hardest thing is I work with some people who have so much expertise and so much knowledge and the most amazing, incredible programs, um, but they're not great at, marketing they're not great at championing themselves and sharing their message with clarity and confidence um and then vice versa i see other people in the market that like have so much conviction (laughs) and are just like owning it but i'm like you look at their history like you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) but they're doing really well that part is the thing that that bothers me the most is that in the online space, it's not so much. I mean, yes, for longevity, I do think your expertise matters because I think you can get found out um, quite quickly. But if you're selling high quantity, low priced products straight off the back of, you know, going viral on Instagram reels because you're a really great marketer, um, then I think that's a skill. But I also think giving a lot of people a really bum steer and the online game in itself a bad name. Mm. Oh, I totally agree with you. It's it great. It- greats on me as well (laughs) you just yeah and it also like from the opposite perspective of like speaking to those women that really have so much to give and such incredible energy and love and just want to make that impact and yet even fear marketing or hate it that's on like forget hating it like it doesn't have to be anything just learn it like just learn yeah like you can't and this is the thing you can't afford to have an online business and not be a digital marketer you just you just have to accept it or find another game to play. Exactly. Ah, oh, totally agree. Totally agree. So I feel like I want to talk a little bit more about some online course and your expertise, right? So I would love for you to share with me what is it you see that makes one online course better than another? Completion is probably one of the biggest things. Um, so 
word of mouth, a lot of people are under the misconception that word of mouth doesn't matter as much in online as it does for like a traditional business. Um, but the way that you grow without pumping a lot of money into social media advertising is through word of mouth, is through people sharing and getting that grassroots stuff going. And the way you get that is by getting exceptional results for your clients. And I think a lot of people are focused very much on the sales on the front end, but not being obsessed with their client success and when you get that you just you grow by osmosis because people are talking like people are doing well with their results and then others are going oh my gosh you've done so well like how have you done that and they're like well, this over here and they're like okay I want that over there and that is how so many businesses grow really well and have that long game um so I think that's that's probably one of the biggest biggest determinants um surprisingly it's not so much on quality um so you know we've got clients that have spent you know four thousand dollars a day on professional videos for their courses and that's and other people that'll film with an iphone and often it's the iphone ones that people enjoy watching more <laughs> because it's more natural um and i know a lot of people like if, if you're listening to this and you're putting it off because you don't have the funds to invest into it you you, you can get started with what's in your pocket and then build from there. Um, so I love that there's not many barriers to entry. If you are an expert and you know what you're talking about, share it. Yes, totally agree. It doesn't have to be <laughs> a big production at all. Um, yeah. What about those people who are currently like in a service-based business and are wanting to get into more online courses to have something that's more passive how would you like what's your take on what they should teach first like do you really hone down on teaching more specific things in a much smaller yeah. capacity or do you think like creating that big signature online course is better yeah it's, it's like three things that you just said then that i'm like poof, poof, poof. um okay so the first thing is passive there's nothing passive about online courses <laughs> like when I see people sometimes going, um, create a course to your service-based business to have a passive income. If you build it, they will not come. <laughs> you, have to, you have to market it. And I think it's really surprising for people, even when you do like a proper launch, like I've got a program limited launch formula that's how to do an eight-day live launch. Now you can execute the bejesus out of that and do everything perfectly and still have 10 people come through and people will be crying into their milk going, Oh my gosh, how did I do all this work? And if that is your first time, that is fabulous. It, the growth trajectory of online courses is steep. So if you keep consistently showing up and getting better and better, you get really, really fabulous results, but not if you give up right at the start. And I think a lot of people give up way too easily because they're under the misconception that you put this online course out and you're going to make a bazillion dollars by doing very little because that's what happens in online courses, right? And it does not. Um, so I would say that. And then the other thing I would say is start with what people are already asking you for. So if you don't have a list of 10 people where you're going, these are current clients that I'm already working with that I know I can offer this, that they're after in a more streamlined way, um, then it's probably the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I would start with what you know, unless you hate it. If you're in an industry and you're like, oh my God, if I have to talk about that one more time, I'm going to stick skewers in my eyeballs, then yes, start from new, but know that you're going to have to start from scratch and start from zero. Yeah. I often too also like the concept of like if you're having to already teach it multiple times and it's not like you're necessarily sick of it, you're sticking skewers in your eyes, but you know that it's a concept that you need to teach and people yeah. need to know it. 
people get a lot of value out of it. You could go down that avenue too, right? Like I always find like if you're teaching it to 10 people in a week, like it's probably something that you could put in a course. Yes. Yeah. I find often the the hardest part is like picking one. Like most people, when they actually start brainstorming courses, they're like, I can do a course on this. I can do a course on this. I can do 50 courses. And then <laughs> you go, don't get So it's either you want to do too many courses or that you want to put too much in one course and so what I said before about how important it is for completion is it used to be like if you were going say you were going on a retreat like I know both you and I do live events and a lot of the value is in how many days it is you know whether it's a one day whether it's a three day whether it's a five day is going to determine the price of it and the package and all of that sort of thing with courses it's more like less is more if you can give someone the same result in less time simpler it's actually worth more than if someone has to waste all of their hours watching through fluffy content like there is no fluff no one has patience for fluff in online courses there's even some of the big course creators now that have been around for a long time and I'll watch some of their videos and I'm like oh my god I'm not watching an hour to get five minutes of gold just give me the five minutes of gold and let me get on with my day so I think that's a big thing is when you start creating your course content is look at it and go do I need everything and then cut out anything that's not required to get a result because people are buying your online course to get a result, to get from where they are to where they want to be in as quick, easy way possible. Mm, Absolutely. Love that advice. Is there anything that you see that is more specific around like what makes something scalable and not scalable with online courses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I don't do this. So (laughs) this is something that, you know, do as I say, do as, what is it? Do as I, do as I teach, not what, not what I say. Um, So Her Empire Builder is like my signature program not scalable. Mm -mm. (laughs) Um, So like the perfect scalable product is like a six week course or 12 week course that has got no live delivery, that it makes zero difference whether you've got 10 people, a hundred people, a thousand people in it. Um, But it's also a lifestyle choice as well. Um, So it kind of works whenever, like you've got to pick whether to go premium price, high touch point, low quantity, or go that super high quantity, low price point sort of thing like they're going somewhere in the murky middle normally doesn't work you got to either choose are you going to be premium price or are you going to be like the high volume kind of people um and so with mine I chose premium prices for lower quantity which means I can't scale I've got 100 people in my membership um and you know if it went to 500 it just would lose its magic it's just not the same um so i won't scale that but then i have evergreen products that substitute for that that i can scale the bejesus out of so you want to make sure that you've got the combination of the things and for some people like running my membership they would hate because it is a lot of work and it's a lot of lives and it's a lot of connection and i know some people run courses because they don't ever want to be accountable to anyone ever and so for that you want to run complete self-paced courses that are entirely scalable but for those they're going to be lower price points yeah so you just got to pick your avenue yeah I love that you shared that though because I think it's important that you are creating a business that you do love because you know I see that with a lot of people that are disconnected to their values and they go and think well I'll go down that online avenue online course avenue because that's what everybody else is doing it's what I think I should be doing and yet connection is really important to me like I'd be the same without connection in my business uh I would hate it like hate it so I'm be an evergreen person whereas I might have elements of it but majority of it will definitely be right having that 
Yeah, it's that contribution value too. And I know I made that mistake in my tutoring centers. Like I used to, I started out by teaching kids how to read. And I loved that. I loved seeing that result. I loved the learning journey, but then obviously the business got big and I was all about, I mean, most of my job was dealing with staff and lease agreements and contracts, like so boring. And I lost it for a bit there. And then I went back whenever, like we had our offices above one of our centers and whenever a teacher would call in sick I'd go I'm doing it and I'd run down and when I started doing that I felt so much more connected again I was like okay this is why I'm creating all of these things and and I love creating stuff to make life simpler and I am a systems ninja like systems is where it's at for me and taking something complex making it simple and going here's how we can do the thing um and if I wasn't with people if I was just like in my own little room doing that I'd lose it yeah Totally. Totally. Okay. Top three mistakes you see people making when they've created their course and then they launch it. Not marketing enough. Um, Like thinking that, okay, I've done it once. Like surely it'll fly now. (laughs) Um, You never stop ever. Uh, You got to keep, keep it going. Um, So I think that is the biggest mistake. The second mistake is um, chopping and changing all the time, like going instead of just staying the course. And it's a really, really hard thing to decide when it's just because where you get a lot of traction is on like the third launch of a new product. So if you repeat the same thing over again, like the first launch, people are going, what's she doing? Oh, she's doing that. Oh, interesting. Second launch. Oh, hang on. I think I might want to do this, but it's over too quick. Then third launch is when you get a really big uptake. So it's really hard to stay consistent for that long in a new product, but it's also hard to discern when is it just time that's the issue or when are you on a loser and you have to cut it and run? That is like really hard to figure out. Um, so that is probably the second biggest mistake. And the third, what mistakes do I see people make? Oh, it's a mental thing. Like just, you know, not going all out with it. So still around the marketing. I mean, what we know works so much is, is connection. Like humans do business with humans, which means you've got to go live on Facebook and live on Insta and LinkedIn and, you know, run webinars and put yourself out there and, and show people that you know what you're talking about. This is what you've got to offer so they can make the decision to work with you. But I see so many people be the world's best kept secret because they're too afraid to step into that light own their space and that's through lifetimes of conditioning like it's through no fault of people's own. it's just being able to recognize that and going you know what stuff it I'm, I'm doing my thing like let me get out there yeah that's it you gotta push through absolutely mm. owe it to yourself to push through and give it your all yeah so I could ask you another hundred questions about this but I mean that's what the <laughs> empire build is about so <laughs> People just need to follow the link in the show notes and go check it out. Um, And I'm also going to give people the opportunity that if they'd love to win a copy of your book, I'm going to send a book out to someone who rates and reviews this episode. So if that is you, if you'd love this book, just head to the link in the show notes, leave a leave a review, and make sure that you share it with me by emailing me to hello at christinecorcoran.com.au, and I will send you a copy of Tina's book. Um, I've got one last little question for you. So I would love to know what's one thing that you've done this year that's taken your business next level? Oh, write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Writing a book is um, like the hardest thing to do and it doesn't pay you anywhere near as much money as courses. But what it does is it gives you massive credibility and marketing exposure, which then allows you to sell a bucket load of courses. (laughs) So I think, yeah, 
Love it. Thank you so much for today, Tina. I really thank you, gorgeous. Your energy. It's been so fun. Absolutely. So much fun. So thank you again. And make sure you tag us all in any shares that you popped on socials and make sure you send us a DM and let us know what you took away from this episode. Thanks again, Tina. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. And here's to taking your life to the next level.